0: Talk to Courtney Cronin, our Bears insider here on ESPN One Thousand. It's Andrew and Hanley, Courtney. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Uh, good, good. How are you doing after that? Uh, I'm not sure that what that was on Thursday.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting that the next Thursday game is going to be a seven-three score, and then at some point we're going <laughs> to get three to zero to end a Thursday night game. These, Scoring is at a premium uh, on Thursday nights, and I'm not really sure what it is. I mean, we've always complained about the Thursday night product, more or less, but man, it's
2: ugly this year. Yeah, Al Michaels isn't really enjoying it either. He barely seems interested half the time. And, Did uh, he threaten but, to retire and, uh,
0: if there's another bad Thursday <laughs> night game? That's well, enough they kept of saying, I'm, tu- I'm going golfing.
2: Yeah, they kept promising. He and Kirk uh, kept uh, promising a touchdown, and then they were getting a little nervous that they were, we weren't going to see one. Courtney, what do you make of this, this offense at this point? Because obviously the you know, Luke Getzey is getting a lot of uh, criticism from that Amazon uh, analyst panel. And <laughs> is, it, is it a play calling problem? Is it a Justin Fields problem? Is it a Ryan Poles I didn't do damn near enough to get a help around him problem? Or all the above?
1: 100% answer D. Because there's so much blame to go around. And I think that You know, there's no singular reason why they're in this spot. I mean, Fields has struggled. And there's been good moments that you think, okay, maybe something's finally clicking, like the Minnesota game. in The second half, you know, you can't criticize his performance. He wasn't the reason that they lost that game. But then, you know, the interception in the red zone, because his arm angle wasn't in the right spot, trying to fit a ball to Cole Komet when they're facing cover zero. Like, there's little mechanical things. You're like, that's on the quarterback. And, you know, the pass to Ryan Griffin – Yes, Griffin slowed down and looked stiff, but that's a throw that even Fields that he's an NFL quarterback, he's got to make that. So, yep. I think if you kind of like parse through what happened on Thursday and look at this team six games in, you realize that there's limitations on the quarterback because there's limitations within what he can do within this scheme because of the limitations of the talent around him. And there's just you know point blank, there's not enough when when he's not on or he's not having a good game the talent around him isn't enough to elevate the quarterback play like you've seen You know other examples of that elsewhere where if the quarterback isn't having a great game, then you can rely on a dominant run game or you can rely on receivers to get open um, and make the quarterback look good. So I think all of that being said, all the problems that the Bears face so far this season go hand in hand, and I don't know how it gets much better, to be quite honest, because of the way that this roster looks. But this roster is what's getting in the way of this team being able
0: to get a true evaluation on justin fields in year two courtney uh, based on what you said and and this was something i was thinking before uh, before you jumped on with us okay so we have limitations all over the place is luke Yetzi calling the right game based on the limitations we have or is he just calling the game based on hoping that people will step up to be able to execute these plays
1: yeah, I, I think there absolutely needs to be some scheme adjustments because, you know, we've seen Fields be successful when he's rolling out and he's rolling away from pressure because he's been pressured on 46 percent of his dropbacks this season. Like that's an absurd amount. And Seems like about
0: 75 percent, but I, yeah. I know. I mean, it
1: feel and, and like the thing is, there've been clean pockets for him to operate from, which is, you know, when when he has good protection, it looks really good, but it's so. Like, it's so scarce now that, you know, he's under pressure. And I think some of that has to do, like, there's moments from this game against Washington where you're watching him stand there and kind of, like, deliberately hold onto the ball too long. Like, what are you you not seeing in these moments? And it's not just a matter of, hey, this guy didn't get open. It's It feels like he's very much like a first-read guy, which is fine. I mean, with young quarterbacks, teams usually design half-field reads for young quarterbacks as they're developing because it's easier to process, especially with the speed in the NFL versus what he was used to in college. But I I think that there's a lot more that can be done with what Luke Getze can scheme to the strengths of Justin Fields. And when Matt Eberflus is talking about evaluating everything from, you know, not just like starting lineups, like I would imagine – You know, the biggest thing they're going to have to do is figure out how can they get a better offensive line combination than what they have right now. Like, why is Lucas Patrick not playing center? Is there any possible way that they can move things around to make this line to solidify this line a little bit more because it's bad right now. The pass protection is awful. But you know, some of that stuff you can scheme too. So I think that when they have this mini buy and the coaches have been. You know, in all weekend evaluating the scheme and everything else, there's ways to play to Justin Fields strengths they're just not doing yet. But then again, I don't, I just, you can't pin it all on play calling when the roster looks like this because you have to design plays to get guys open. And and when your receiving core is as thin as the Bears is, it's going to look like this regardless of whether the scheme is placating the field strengths or not.
2: And and Courtney, when before the season, when some people were saying they they, I knew it was bad, but they were saying they had the worst wide receiving talent in the league. That takes in a lot of bad, but Darnell Mooney, God bless him, two hundred forty-one yards to this point. That's forty-eighth in the NFL. Yeah, I mean that that you can't operate that way. And here's my biggest fear: as good as Montgomery and and Khalil, uh and Herbert spent, you can't start just going run heavy because. All those things you just said that are troublesome for the offense, including the quarterback. It's still about trying to evaluate Justin Fields. Now you have to use the run game to keep pressure off him and to keep defenses honest. But uh, they they better not just you know turtle here and decide that they're going to win games by the run game and 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 whatever defense they have here. You still have to give him opportunities to throw down field. And to your point, he's got when he has open receivers and the time to throw, and he's had both. He's got to identify and get the ball to him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's no way they could just you know lean heavy on the run and hope that your defense can create opportunities uh, late in games, kind of like what we saw after the Houston game. I remember that was the question I was trying to answer at that point, like is this how they want to do it? And very clearly after that they showed that they they still were at least trying to open up the the passing game more with what we saw in New York and then what we saw in Minnesota in Week 5, but, you know, they have to find a way to evaluate fields within the confines of what they have right now. Cause it, like the thing is like, it's not like baseball, like the trade deadline in the NFL, it just operates so differently than other sports where your roster cannot improve that dramatically. Usually the teams who utilize the trade deadline, the best are the ones who are like one piece away. like what the Rams did last year in trading for Von Miller with the Denver Broncos, like right at the trade deadline, that helps shore up their pass rush. You're not fixing an entire you know, for them it wasn't fixing their entire defense, it was one spot they really needed to fix. So, mm-hmm. when, when people are asking about, well, what about DJ Moore? What about, you know, uh, other ways to fix the roster in, in at the trade deadline? It's just unrealistic to think that even if they do make moves, like to, to acquire, like that it's going to improve the, the roster all that much. Now, one thing I'd be curious to see is like do they think that they need to become sellers at this point because I just don't I just don't buy it like who's outside of Jalen Johnson Robert Quinn's value has gone down Roquan Smith yeah. a free agent next year like mm-hmm. there's you don't trade for guys like that at the deadline I mean someone like Jalen Johnson who's got a couple more years on his contract sure but You've got to think of the other assets that they have and, like, what they actually are planning to build around. And now that we know that everything is going to be focused going forward offensively, I mean, at least that's where things are trending, you're not going to sell off a Darnell Mooney or a Cole Comet. And, frankly, I'm not really sure that other teams would be trading for those pieces anyway. So, like, I say all that to say because I know I've gotten a bunch of questions about, hey, trade deadline's November 1st, what moves can they make? If they make any sort of move, it's not going to improve this roster all of a sudden to where you have a better evaluation of Justin Fields in the second half of the season. Like This is what it is right now, and you've got to work within this, which is going to require scheme adjustments to be able to get a better analysis on what your quarterback can do.
0: Yeah, for me, it's never been about the record this year. It's just about seeing Justin progress, and this past week seemed like a step back. Although, I will say, even though he kept getting knocked down and he obviously was hurting, he showed some toughness, it it seems like I haven't seen before. Now, I don't want to see that every week, because if we're seeing that every week, then he's really getting uh, driven into the ground. But we saw a little uh, uh, toughness, so I saw a little maturation, I guess I would say, uh, in that. And and it's small baby steps, and that's maybe all we can consider. But then he did take steps back in other ways.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this about Justin Fields. That guy is a tough SOB. Like I have covered a lot of quarterbacks in this league, but... Stuff that he, you know, the stuff he did in college. Remember him getting drilled by James Galski, the linebacker from mm. Clemson, in that uh, in the Sugar Bowl. And then he goes like, I remember watching him on the bike, wincing in pain, and then he goes and throws six touchdowns in the second half. Like what he did on Thursday night was remarkable, and I think it was Montez Sweat said that they kept expecting him not to get up. Like, and he was he was smart too. And this is one thing that I think I don't know how many people picked up on this, but with him getting hit as often as he did. And he was kind of slow and deliberate to get up at first. I think that that's to make sure he steadies himself because the second now in, in you know, after the two a stuff, the second you show any sort of wobbliness um, maybe in the way that you move, you're probably entering concussion protocol. And I think he was smart to kind of take a minute, breathe, make sure he's good and then get up. But gosh, he's like, you can't, if there's anything you can't knock him for, it's that he is a tough, dude and that is, i mean it's scary at times because he takes hits and it's like you've got to put him in a spot where he's not susceptible to this many like rib crushing blows and i know he got his shoulder like it drove into his left shoulder got driven into the ground and he said afterwards when i asked him that it was an injury kind of like reaggravated something he was mm-hmm. already dealing with which is i'm like when did that happen because we had no clue he hasn't shown up on the injury report with it but you just, you know, like last year with the ribs injury and everything else, like he did miss time. Um, he They can't afford to have that happen this year. But, it, you know, if he keeps playing this way and if he keeps taking these hits, he probably won't last the whole season.
2: You mentioned uh, Cole Komet and, and no one would give you anything for the whole host of names you went through, and I'm with you on that. He's not their guy, but yet he was a second-round pick. Here we are this far down the road and he's I think average targets two and a half targets a game and I have no bigger handle or more of a handle on him now than I did a few years ago and that's that's concerning to me because I don't know if it, it, they're showing a lack of faith in Cole Komet and at times he's you know drop balls he should have caught and maybe he's given him a reason to have lack of faith what do you make of of the tight end that Local kid, Notre Dame product. Everyone was rooting for him when he became a Bear, but I, I can't see him on this team next year if this continues the way it has been.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he was thrust into a role where he's tight end one in this offense because they didn't have anyone else. But that's a, it's the same argument with Mooney. Like, I mean, and I'll use Mooney as an example. He's a really good wide receiver. In another offense, he's probably a two, and that's okay. It's nothing. It's no knock on him. It's just that you know. Fields top two pass catchers that he had proven chemistry with coming off of last season, you know, are put into roles that they probably wouldn't be on in other teams because necessity here. So I what I make of Cole Komet and I know that he like the first couple games he didn't have many targets come his way, like if at all. I think there was like one in the Green Bay game because he's he's running he he was running routes but obviously like the ball didn't come his way, but he was also like used as a blocker. And, you know, the thing with Komet as a pass catcher, he doesn't have top end speed and he doesn't, you know, get a lot of yards after the catch, which, um, that's okay. It's just, you've got to like pick your spots with a guy like that. And, you know, going back to like think the Giants game, like I wouldn't use him on a screenplay on third and 15 inside the red zone. Like you gotta Hmm. be smarter with certain things like that because he can, he can be a beneficial asset, but it's not this threat over the middle of the field who's going to create mismatches for you um, with the safety like that maybe we thought it could be just on what was being sold this off season but utilizing Kmet i mean they, i mean yet they had the good play to him there's a play against Minnesota i thought that was one of fields better throws and he's in a spot where he needs to be able to rely on guys like that and this i thought like his production would come in the red zone in ways that it really truly has not this year
0: uh, before we let you go, real quick, uh, uh, Velas Jones has he been humbled, mm-hmm. uh, or can can we trust him another time, or, is it, or or is he not going to see the football for a while?
1: Um, I predicted. I wrote an analysis, like my analysis coming out of the game. I predicted that they'll go back to Dante Pettis at punt returner. I don't look like he's a twenty-five-year-old rookie, and I'm not saying that age is a factor there, but like he hasn't been doing punt return for all that long. He did it at Tennessee last year. But he did it for one year, and it's not a mechanical thing. It like that punt that he should have let go. He said, like based on the rules of the of where he was in the field and backed up, like a touchback would have been so much more beneficial. Yet, what happened was he was trying to do too much. He was and trying he's, to be a hero, yeah, yeah. And we heard the same thing from Amir Smith Marset last week, where I sometimes sense that some of these guys on offense are realizing the lack of contributions because and like you know, everything's on fields and these guys like internalize that and try to do too much, try to make a play, and it ends up costing this team. And I know he chalked it up to like, you know, it's a rookie mistake, I won't do it again. Um but I just I think that, you know, the muff punt in in New York, when they had that was our only like that was our last chance to score, uh last reasonable shot to actually get back in that game. And the muff punt kind of botched that and then For this one to lead to a touchdown two plays later because he muffs it and and Washington recovers, I just don't know for a team that has got so many holes. I just feel like you can't go back to the well on that one. Not not right now, at least. I I would anticipate that that would be one of the personnel changes that they'd be making during this mini-bye week.
0: Courtney Cronin, our ESPN 1000 Bears insider. Enjoy all the football today. Enjoy the day off from the Bears. (laughs) <laughs> we appreciate all your work, and we'll talk to again to you soon.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good
0: one. Thanks, Courtney. Yeah, ESPN 1000, will take your calls, 312-332-3776. It's Xander and Hanley till noon here on ESPN 1000. We look forward to talking to you.
3: Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago.
4: Chicago is home for sports.
3: Uh, you know, I told him afterward, man, he is tough. I mean that guy is tough, and man, he can get out of a lot of things. And and he, that one run he had down the side, I mean that's some of that stuff's just amazing. You know the type of player he is, um, and the toughness, the mental toughness that he has. I mean it's 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 phenomenal. You know, so he'll he'll hang in there with the best of them. You know, and uh, uh, it's, it's exciting to see. You know, the guys rally around him and see that toughness because you, you'll rally around a guy like that. You know, that's just we got that mental and physical toughness that he has. And uh, so I just told him I was real proud of him the way he hung in there. So, again, they got some good D linemen. Obviously, they got some first rounders, and, and they're going to give a lot of guys fits as they have. But, uh, um, yeah, I was just real proud of him.
0: Come on. That's loose talking about his quarterback and how tough he is. I just wish he didn't need to be that tough. Yes, it's a rallying point, Brian, but he, you know he's running for his life. He has no choice but to be tough. And uh, may I say, Courtney Cronin does such a great job covering the Absolutely. Bears. We know this, right? And she brought up a great point that Jake and I were talking about off air, about how Justin was very slow to get up and very measured, making sure he got his breath, making sure he... he yeah, he had his bearings before he got up because of what happened with Tua. And, and Tua was hurt. Tua should not have been playing. I'm just concerned that Justin will hide, if he's doing this, he'll hide some sort of injury that he really needs to have looked at right away. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it was the case of, look, if I get up too fast, you know, I, I might stumble a little bit and then all of a sudden... And then I'll be going to the tent, I, yeah. I, I'm done. As long as he's not hiding anything serious, because we don't need
2: to see that, right? That he's hiding anything serious, because... Well, you don't... uh, Look, the last thing you need is him to get hurt, and then this season to to be a a throwaway because you can't evaluate him because he's not available. Right, right. It's not
0: about winning games this year. It's about evaluating Justin Fields.
2: It's not about winning games, but to me, it's about how are you losing games... Like thir- no, you know, Great, Thursday great night. point,
0: yes, yes. And, and Thursday night was uh, no good. The, we lost to the Vikings, and even though there were a few things we could have adjusted, well, hopefully we had learned from them, but that wasn't, even though that was a loss to somebody in the division, we don't like the Vikings, but that was less
2: hurtful <laughs> than well, the Commodores' loss. Commanders, absolutely. <clears throat> but she brought up the the percentage of being pressured at whatever 46%. forty six percent. for Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what? Yeah. Twenty three sacks. And see, they're the offensive line is responsible for a lot of them, but not all of them. That's some of it's on the quarterback. Uh-huh. And the fact that he's got a fifty four point seven completion percentage, that you can't evaluate this and say anything about it is good. Uh, again, I get the fact that you have a fifth round. Pick is your uh, left tackle and it's a hodgepodge offense and cody whitehair's not even in there now but there are plays that he has to make and mm-hmm. that 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 pass to ryan griffin has to be executed absolutely. and no has doubt. to be no completed yeah I, I just it, it's it, I, I was wincing watching him get hit and get up and I, even absolutely. when he wasn't getting sacked yep the pressures and the amount of pressures but that creates happy feet and then sometimes he wants to take off when he doesn't need to because it's instinct,' right and, and, uh, He's right,
0: right. Beat up, uh-huh, uh-huh and 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 what we were talking about, uh Luke Getze, now we talked to Bear fan Bob, and you know his opinion was, and i and I get it, Luke is calling a good game, and everybody has to step up their game. My concern was, and, and I brought this up to Courtney, was that Luke Getze has to at some point say it is what it is. These guys are not able to do this set of plays because they just can't get there. So I have to adjust the game to the players that we have. We try to get them up, they're not responding. It's about developing Justin and maybe there's better plays to make where Justin has more confidence. He start he stops with the happy feet. He's unlo- he's able to complete a pass. And, and complete more of them consistently. And they're not flashy. They're not pretty. We're not winning games. But we see some uh, forward
2: motion on Justin's part. Look, and Getze, after the Minnesota game, said, you know, those are cheap uh, completions that he gets. But Courtney just brought it up. On a third and 15, and you and I have talked about this, there are times they the, the play absolutely demands, the situation demands you throw downfield. And to throw to Cole Komet. Five yards over the line of scrimmage when you need fifteen, and then hope that he gets yack, you know, yards after the catch. Good luck. That's you're not evaluating, and your and your percentage of success in that with with, you know, Cole Komet, who's not fleet of foot, as Courtney pointed out. Mm-hmm. You you when it's when the situation says throw downfield, you better throw downfield, and I don't care if that means the offensive line has to be better, and and they know, the defense is coming on that play. But don't don't have a bailout play because that doesn't serve anyone's purpose. In particular, the 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 evaluation uh, situation going on with QB1. Right. And we talked about taking the training wheels off and pushing
0: the pushing the uh, the game. And, and again, it's about it is about winning. But this is not going to be one of those seasons where we're going to win more than we lose. However, how are we losing? And what we saw Thursday was awfully painful. Three one two three three two three seven seven six for a lot of different reasons. And and think of the mistakes that Justin isn't making that others are making on offense, and what a difference that might have made in the win loss column up until this point. Might have been a couple yeah. of games.
2: I, I, but to to have a ball go off a guy's helmet because of your arm angle. That, that, that's stuff that That's a problem. That's a problem. I mean, that, and that's that's something he, on him, right? That's not a coaching. That's not a play call. That's, that's unacceptable, especially given where you are on the field at that point, and it just stops a, a drive cold. And they get the lucky uh, bounce in the air, and it ends up going the other way. But it's little things like that. I, and no one questions his toughness, and I think he's a leader in every sense of the word. Hmm. But that's only part of being a quarterback. It's a big part yep, of it. Yep. It's also – being better than completing half your passes, fifty-four point seven percent ain't getting it done. Being at the bottom of the NFL in passer rating is not getting getting it done. And at some point, it's not about the wasted season that was twenty twenty two. You're now six games into twenty twenty three, and it has to look a lot better in these upcoming, you know, six, seven, eight games to before you even get to the stretch run.
0: 312-332-3776. What's good about the Bears? Are we missing something we should be talking about? Um, you know, what, what were your expectations to develop fields or to win more games? And, uh, you know, how bad was it for you this past Thursday? We're taking phone calls at 312-332-3776. We've got Tom. He's here in the South loop, he wants to jump in on ESPN 1000. Hey, Tom.
3: Hey guys, how you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm hanging in there, hanging right. in there. Yeah, you know, I think it's just it's just more of the same, unfortunately, for the Bears. And first of all, I'll say, you know, to the Bears fans, you know, you gotta love them. It's not a good team, and they're out there at Soldier Field, waving those flags, getting loud, watching pretty much garbage. So first of all, shout out to the Bears fans, right? <laughs> Hopefully we get a little something better but, you know, I had said before, when the Bears are on the clock, look, if, it, if they've got to make a – if they're going to go all in on a quarterback, which they kind of did again, and I said at the time, Mac Jones is the pick. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. And here's my logic for it. Head-to-head in that championship game, I'll take the guy that wins. Now, it's not fair, I understand, that Alabama is probably a better team. So that's not on Justin. But overall – Justin should have at least had a better performance. If that's the guy you want to take, in my opinion, right? When you're going to yeah. see the difference in the organizations and the quarterback position when the Bears play the Patriots Monday night, it's going to be glaring. Mark my words. With that well, said, if, Justin,
2: if Jones is out there, what? because right now they're, they're they're on their third string quarterback, are, are you yeah. guys happy? Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, he may. Yeah, he may not be back in time. Yeah, that's 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 right. true. But I, but believe me, I just don't under. I didn't understand the pick. I said it then. Justin's a good kid, tough as nails. The poor kid. Yep. The poor kid. Again, you go out. You know, if you buy. If, you know, you buy a uh, Lamborghini, you want to protect it. The Bears can't understand that. Okay, we're going to invest all these draft picks. How many has it been? I mean, four or five, right? Four or five that would be first-round draft picks on this team right now. And they could have gotten Jimmy Garoppolo for a second, a second. The kid who came in at the flight gate went three and one with a boatload of pressure. I'm not saying Garoppolo is hall of fame. He's a winner. And I would remember have taken the, all those remember that
2: the, the, there was talk that they tried, they called new England and tried and and they, I don't know if they weren't offering enough, but new England said, thanks, but no thanks. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you that, that I, I was excited at the time thinking, Oh, he looked good here. He's a local mm. kid too. Yeah. But but didn't, he, but didn't yeah.
3: he end up going for a second-round pick? I thought he did. Now, I know you had to re-sign him again the next year, but again, yeah. being a Chicago kid, I think they could have done that. I think in the end, he could have gone. I think he went for a second-round pick. you know, You're regardless,
2: right. i have to go back and look, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's just so many, there's so many things that are glaring, and I feel I actually, you know, if the Bears had a better team, I'd probably be angri- angry with Velas Jones. But you know what? I, I feel bad for him. I just think he's scared out there. I think he's scared. I feel bad for him. I just don't even see how you can put him out there again. Certainly, you you know, catching punts. Catching punts.
0: Yep. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for the phone call. You you know, Courtney brought up something that I thought was interesting, you know, uh, talking about uh, Vilas, is that she thought that he was trying to do too much, and we we were talking about that before we talked to Courtney, and, and, and then she brought up the point of, look, he and other players see that Justin is shouldering all of this. So they're like, wait a minute, maybe I can help here. <laughs> and, and what uh, Jones did, not uh, letting that punt go, was a huge mistake, but he was trying to be a hero. So I'm not sure if he was scared or, or definitely trying to do too much. Either way, he made the wrong choice.
2: And, and, and making that wrong choice goes to coaching as well, yep, right? Yep, because yep. they say, okay, if you're inside the 10-yard line, let that ball go. Right. They pick a, a, a yard line and you know where you are. And then you have to reinforce that before the play, not getting out of bounds. You have to reinforce the situational football. And, and as I'm crazy with you, guys as it might trying, be, because that stuff is just it should be an eight. It should be. But you're talking about guys who are haven't been doing it for a while, if yeah. at all. Yeah. And, and uh, trying to make a play, trying to make up for something that you did, you know, you didn't do right the first time. You have to know to get out of bounds because it, those extra two yards don't mean anything. And not only did the clock, the clock keep going, but, oh, there's the turnover and the game's over. Mm-hmm. that That's football IQ, which you hope players have innately, but that has to be reinforced whenever possible. And so if the mistake is made, as long as it's not repeated. But we have seen some repeated mistakes, Brian. Absolutely. And which, you know, again, uh, Matt Eberflus is doing this for the first time. Luke Getzey is doing this for the first time. It's um, I think Williams is even doing it for the first time. Right. So it's um, guys are learning on the sideline, learning on the job, too. Yeah. And we've seen some issues there. And, you know, and I'll tell you why this team reminds me of the White Sox <laughs> this
0: year. <laughs> it's not Ooh. good. Yeah. We'll be uh, right back to uh, take your calls. three one two three three two three seven seven six. It's a pretty simple concept, but it just hit me. Well, I uh, get into that and more when we come back here on ESPN 1000.
4: Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is
3: Xander and Hanley on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago.
0: Back to it here on a Sunday morning, ESPN1000, Xander and Hanley. Uh, We're talking sports. We're talking Bears football. We'll talk to Jesse Rogers at uh, 1115. 11 a.m., we've got a... An addition of high-low as we're on for three hours today. Hey, you're a Bruce Springsteen fan. Did you see that he is releasing an album of soul covers? Yes. I. Uh, and I've and heard a bit of it, and he did... Um, Night Shift was the best he one. Speaking of the Commodores. Yeah. <laughs> he did He did Night Shift, and it's really an interesting take. Bruce basically said, and I, I saw the whole preamble on his uh, uh, website, where he said, you, you know... I just feel like I wanted to lend my voice to these classics. So it's it's a Soul Covers album that comes out in, what is it, mid-November? Something like that? Yeah,
2: they've released a, a couple of the songs, two songs so far, right? Okay. Oh, do and, I Love You? You know, Yes, I Do. Oh, uh, okay. Um, that was terrific. And it, it the one thing I'll say about Bruce is he not only appreciates the history of music, but all different, you know, versions genres. of... Genres, yes, he does. Yeah. yeah and he also said this about this album he's at the tender young age of 73 he said he's always made uh, light of the fact that he didn't think he has a very good voice for a guy who Mm -hmm. sells out football stadiums and tours and is the boss after all and he said at 73 after doing this album of these great uh, soul hits he said, he gives himself props. He said, you know what? Voice ain't so bad for 73. Uh, maybe I, but I was, you know, too harsh on on evaluating what he had going for himself. And it, I, I just, I appreciate anyone who keeps re- reinventing himself, right? Um, and that's what he's been doing. I mean, he's been doing that for the last 10 years, yep. for sure. Yep. So
0: Yeah, so he has been uh, another one that was famous for doing that all the time throughout his career. David Bowie, the late great yeah Re- reinvented himself every time, but I, I you know what Bruce said, and when i saw when I heard the version of night shift, I thought, yeah you know not bad you 're a huge bruce fan, uh, fan i mean yeah you know, not not as much as you, not anywhere as much <laughs> as you. you're you 're the nut that wants to spend yeah, thousands not, of dollars I going need therapy to- yeah.
2: Yeah. if yeah, I, I spent the money on therapy, I might be better off but
0: yeah, I didn't. maybe well yeah. that you know that 's personal choice, Brian yeah so, uh, hearing him uh, lend his voice to these songs, these songs are unforgiving, right? Yeah, You, you yep. cannot be, you can't go into this with uh, without your best approach. And he lived up to the task, so far what I've heard. So it's been pretty pleasant. All right, back to sports. I was talking about how the Bears team reminds me of the Sox, and you're like, what? Okay, here's why. First of all, it's not because the Bears had a bunch of potential and they're squandering it. We knew going in. That's right. the Sox problem. However, as we're talking about, okay, the Bears should have done this. They've got uh, coaches learning on the job. They've got a new GM. They've got you know players on defense that aren't playing up to their potential, like a Robert Quinn. They've got uh, a leaky O-line. They've got a Justin Fields that's not making the right decisions in a short amount of time. And it's like, just like the Sox, so many problems I don't know where to look. It's like a dam with all these cracks in it, right? And all this water's coming through, it's like which one do we patch
2: first? You don't have enough hands. And do you have the want to with the White Sox in particular? What what are you going to do in this offseason besides hiring a manager? We know that. But you know, is Jose Abreu as good as gone, Is Daryl Van Schauen in the Sun Times wrote today that it's He, is. That's, he that's, is. That, that, I I'm with you in the, yeah. the front office wasn't even unanimous in offering him the, the last contract. Which is hard to believe. I don't understand that. I remember when that was happening. It's like, this is a no-brainer. Yeah. Why are it's we even questioning that? Right. So if you're a Sox fan, you can weigh in, too. What, what needs to be done this offseason? And we start the show talking about how terrific October baseball has been, and the Guardians are right in the mix of that. And those are young, young guys, the youngest roster in Major League Baseball, and they don't have the pop and the power. But they're finding a way of getting it done. And we talked about one of our callers saying, look at those, those hits. It's a bloop here. Yeah, it's not, it's
0: not this uh, tremendous exit velo stuff, which no. Ozzie has always said, Ozzie Gann has always said that that is a tremendously overrated statistic. And it is, because it's not about how hard you, if you're hitting it hard, you're blazing it right to people. That, you don't get extra credit
2: for a hard-hit baseball. No, but you need to hit home runs, and they didn't do that nearly enough. I mean, the fact that Abreu had 15 home runs, and and I think, um, was it Andrew Vaughn
0: and uh, Elvis Andres that tied for the uh, lead at 17? Was that crazy? Right?
2: Crazy. I, I mean, know. So, I know. So you need you need pop and we power have multiple for sure. Thirty run home run hitters on that team. Yep. And, and so you need that. But I'm with you. It, it's Aussie ball. Yeah, and, and he was famous for get him on, get him over, get him in. Mm-hmm. And how many men and did they leave in scoring position this year? And they just couldn't get sustained rallies. Uh, certainly in postseason baseball, like we watched yesterday, you're talking about two strike, two out guys delivering on their last chance. Right. And finding a way to to pick up their team, and get a win. If if
0: we would have been 30% better on uh, stranding base runners, 30% less base runners stranded, uh, would that have gotten us first place in the division? Might have.
2: Might have. That might have been the difference. You still needed at least a couple guys to uh, break that always tough 20 home run mark. Yeah, well,
0: that too. But, uh, you know, one step at a time. And, again, this is about multiple Layers of issues, and sometimes it think it just seems uh, when we're talking about the White Sox, it just seems like that there's so many things we have to address that it's a bit of an impossible task inside one off season. But then again, maybe it maybe it's that's just too dramatic. Maybe we're just a couple of moves away, and and everybody else having played to their potential and you know staying away from these major injuries. Maybe we're that close, or are we that
2: far? Well, it, it's and when Rick, Hahn, when Rick Hahn says it's likely changes will be made via trade, then you bet it begs the question: who's tradable, and what can you do? You have to give to get. And I know you've been following oh, it on I, Twitter. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, uh,
0: yeah, I have been. I have been vocal about the one player nobody wants to trade, and I think it's just ridiculous. Well, Everybody's people, going nuts about it's it. It's
2: polarizing. Yeah. I mean, because there are plenty of people in your camp saying. That Tim Anderson's got to be traded, and again, if you just look at it from a baseball standpoint, you know what he is when he's on. He wasn't on nearly enough this year. But that's but the thing: wasn't. how 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 much on are we going to see versus how much off?
0: And, and, and I had this argument with with my son last night. He's like, "You you cannot trade TA." And it's like, well, here's the thing: if we are now now we have to get the right person in return. We we can't give him away. But I think our best shot at getting a good. Player in return, or or maybe we just decide to go all in on Correa if Correa uh, avails himself,
2: right? right. We and we'll talk to on, Jesse. We, you yeah. know, what does that contract look like if Correa is is uh, the ops out and then he's on the market again? But then again, we have Jerry Reinsdorf to right. contend with. Well, what does that contract look practice? like, right? Yeah. And oh, and, right. and with Tim Anderson though, he's he's become a polarizing figure, I guess, because if I'm following Twitter. There's no middle ground. People like your son are saying you're out of your mind of even discuss trading him. Uh, he's the face of your franchise, and he's. An I see. All, I don't buy all-star. that
0: face of the franchise stuff. It was two years ago. Look, a leader leads in good times and in bad, and we see that he likes to lead in good times, and and then it becomes too hard for him to lead in bad times. Now, we've heard whisperings that there's some personal stuff going on in his life, and I get it. But a job is a job, and, you know, it's easier said than done. I understand all of that. But he did not lead in the tough times. Leaders lead in good times and bad. Right then and there, I feel like he's not the face of the franchise and the leader of the franchise because of that.
2: It would be very interesting to see or to hear if they don't actually pull a trigger on that trade. Um, if they make, if someone even if the phone rings and they're they're not necessarily shopping Tim Anderson, but the phone rings and people are inquiring, yeah, it'll be. It, I would love to know, and if they actually trade him, we will know how the rest of Major League Baseball views him in terms of his worth and what you would get in return because he's coming off not his best season for sure. So you're selling kind of low, relatively speaking. But I'd love to know how other GMs view Tim Anderson and what they'd be willing to part in order to get it. Now, here's something. We're, we're up
0: against the break. Uh, again, we're going to talk to Jesse Rogers, so we'll dive more into this at 11.15. But when we come back from the break, there is something that if if I could talk to T.A. today and he gave me an indication of something that he is willing to do, then I'm back all in on him. We'll talk about that. Take your phone calls when we come back here. 312-332-3776 on ESPN 1000.
3: Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago.
4: Chicago is home for sports.
0: Take in your phone calls. 312-332-3776 inside the old National Bank studio on State Street. This is ESPN 1000. Xander and Hanley. Brian, before the season began, there's no way I'm talking about T.A. ever being traded. But what I saw this year was a lack of leadership. Again, uh, you know, the year previous when the Field of Dreams game, he hit the big home run, changed the game, hashtag changed the game and all that stuff. That T.A. focused stuff, right? This year, it it was, uh, you know, his hitting was On and off, and that's okay. You know, some players are hot, cold. He always has been. But I will say this. Early on in his career, and you were following, even though uh, you're you're more of a Cubs fan, you were following it to the degree that him winning a batting championship was a surprise. Because that's not who he was when he came up to the major leagues, right? So he worked his tail off to be that hitter. What I want to hear from him in this offseason is that he will work his tail off to be more, less flash and more substance defensively. And he will work on being a little, um, you know, a little more of a consistent leader because we need that person. Jose leaves. Who's the leader? Now I am not saying that we keep Elvis <laughs> Andrews and start him at short and trade Tim. That you know, so, no, that some get of it, those no. people, yeah. some of those people on Twitter are like, "What are you going to do? Do that?" No, that 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 is now you're talking what I'm about saying. going get Correa or, just, or, or going to get a, a stud shortstop and and trade Tim for uh a, you know maybe a starting pitcher, whatever it is, the best possible player. If that's uh, if if that's in the cards, the thing is, what makes him tradable this year for me was that that lack of leadership it does drive me nuts that he has been suspended several times for getting hot and you know
2: bumping into an umpire well okay that's it, it, that's discipline that's just yeah it's a great point it's a, it, when it comes to leadership you can lead by example as jose abreu does mm-hmm. if you can quietly yep. quietly but When all this stuff came out at the end of the season, you know, first half of the season was like, oh, we're going to get hot. Oh, we're hitting the ball. We're barreling the bat and the ball and everything's going to fall and everything's going to be great. And we just got to keep grinding and and don't worry, it's early yet. And then at the end of the year, you heard, well, Johnny Cueto was the first to call him out. Like, if we got any fight here, we better start showing it, if we have any. Mm -hmm. And then Lance Lynn, you know, we sucked forever. And, and, you know, talking the, the clubhouse issues came out. Yeah, uh, long, long. I think we saw even before Kenny Williams reportedly went down there and and talked to the team, which was odd that Rick Hahn wasn't the guy. It was Kenny, because we know Fiery Kenny goes down there and starts. But how much is that on Tim Anderson if the clubhouse has issues and if guys aren't bringing it every day and we see the same mistakes? Right. And 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 you know you're the
0: leader. Right. I mean, you've been told you're the leader and you're telling everybody you're the leader.
2: Right. How much. Does that clubhouse, those clubhouse issues, you know, lay at his feet too? How much does is he responsible for not either getting Tony to change the culture or being part of the change himself or getting guys' faces? And I think the answer is, yeah, he, he has to tell you, he has to wear some of that, or if not a lot of it.
0: Right, right. And there's a mature, there's, a, you know, he has to mature more. I, I think it's a lack of maturity in in some ways. And we've got Zach and Aurora wants to jump on about TA. On ESPN 1000,
4: hey, Zach. What's going on, fellas? Hey, Hey, man, I think we got to be careful when talking about players and their off-the-field personal reasons as to why they're not performing on the field. I think we see that with Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson went through off-the-field personal issues last year, and then it comes out, and now everybody's like, oh, well, you know, okay, now we understand. So we have to have that same understanding even when we don't know what this guy? You're asking this guy, Tim Anderson, to to lead 25 men that's not doing their job, and a manager that's getting heat for not doing his job. But he's supposed to be the awesome leader, and then an awesome player on the field, and then an awesome dad and man off the field. Like we gotta, as I feel like, as fans and media, there's so much on these guys' shoulders when the team then the team didn't construct. Tim Anderson to be around guys that he can lead. He couldn't lead half the guys that were on that team because they wasn't going to do their job and they they didn't. So they Tim Anderson couldn't make a trade at the deadline. He couldn't get the well, guys. That's in a, the that's right, right, Zach. That's he, not you know, that's so not the type of leader
0: I'm talking about. I'm talking about a leader in the clubhouse. You know, he positioned himself that way, changed the game. Ta, he's the face. He's the uh, you know he's the uh, stick that stirs the drink. All of
4: that. Yeah. Yeah, but that that doesn't mean that he's also the talent on the field. So when he steps out, when one steps out to say, "Hey, I'm the leader. Put it on my shoulders." Now you guys, us as the the media and the fans is like, "Okay, you're the leader. Let's see you lead." But we will say Jose Abreu is the leader, but he don't say, it. he just do it. And so what I'm saying is, let's let these players, you know, figure it out. Because they obviously they didn't figure it out this year, but to bring up personal reasons off the field and put that into the mixture of the reason why he wasn't a great leader and the reason why they didn't win, that's just not fair, in my opinion.
3: Well, I don't
0: even know what there is personal issues. All we know is rumors, and I have no idea how it affected them. And thank you for the call, Zach. But, yeah, you know, look, I get it. Uh, the human condition, Brian, we all go through stuff. Yep and uh, you know that is not to excuse anything but we all go through stuff and we all have to you know most of us have to work and we have to perform in certain ways we have to good be good people to our kids and our parents and all this stuff while all this craziness
2: is happening in our life there's a lot to balance for everybody well and and if you believe what you read on social media and, and there's pictures and everything else and again I have no idea. I honestly haven't even looked that deep into what's going on. Okay, with him. I mean, it was.
0: Out I don't there. I know. I know. I know a little. And, and bit. So,
2: if you choose to believe that, if our caller just mentioned Eddie Jackson, we were all wondering why he was, you know, next to doing next to nothing last year, and he came out and went on the record and talked about uh, he and his girlfriend went through a couple miscarriages. I mean, things that he had no control over, and yet. Mm. He, he obviously, you know, that's a terrible thing to have to go through anytime. And so you can't, life happened to him. Right. If you believe what you see on social media, T.A. made choices that created issues. Now, I'm not, I don't know if they're true or not true, but we all make, it, we all make choices in life every single day. Yep. And sometimes, sometimes that, we, we swing and miss and, and sometimes and we have to try to work our way through it. Yeah. And, and we're all we're, obviously we're, we're all not perfect, not by a, a long uh, stretch and things get messy. Life gets messy. But Eddie Jackson, life happened to him. And if you believe the stuff you see out there, um, you know, T.A. might might have made his life messier than it need to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That said. He, does, he I'm with you. Change the game. I'm the face. Uh, you want to get that swagger and be that guy. You can't just say it. You have to actually no.
0: live up to it, and you Amen. have to do that consistently. Amen. You you have to you walk the and walk choose. if you're going to talk the talk. Right. You cannot pick and choose the timing of which you are going to change the game and you're going to be the face
2: of the team. Either you are or you aren't. And, and that clubhouse obviously had issues. And it, it, our call is right. You know, we we got on Tony. Where, where was fiery Tony Lewis? in? it's not just because he's advanced in years. No, he, he
0: he wanted to make friends with everybody on the team. He was more yeah. interested in being. Yeah. You know, it, it's like one of those things where the parent wants to be the teenager's friend. So yeah. they let them do whatever because they don't want them to be mad at them because they want to be their friend. No, you're a parent. You're not the friend you're the parent
2: because one concern when Tony was hired was he will not be able to relate to the young star players because he's, you know, there's such a, a, a disparate age there. Yep. And he went the other way. And he wouldn't bring, a guy, wouldn't bring a guy into the office and, and shut the door again in his face. He would go it's out and put serious. an armor on yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, yeah. let's try this, you know, try to be everybody's friend, as you said. And at some point you, that starts the, the managers, he creates the culture, But so do the leaders on the team. And when that culture slips, then the leaders and the manager have to make sure that leaders have to
0: speak up and try to right the wrong
2: if you're a leader.
0: And again, you can't just be loud and celebratory just when you're winning. We need the leader more so when you're not winning. Yep. Yep. OK. Three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. We're up against the break. We're coming back. We've got an edition of High Low coming at you next on ESPN 1000.